Welcome to the Stalls Heat Press for Profit podcast, a show designed for people who are trying to make it in their heat print hustle. I'm your host, Josh Ellsworth. I like t-shirts, I know how to print them, and I know a thing or two about running a successful business while doing it. I guess that qualifies me to consume the next 30 minutes of your time. And if not, this episode's guest certainly will. We're excited to welcome Gina Seibel, business owner of Casey Swagger. Gina is a self-proclaimed crazy t-shirt lady who has successfully made the jump from side hustle to full-time business. Gina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. I'm super excited. Well, it's awesome to have you. Uh, Can you just spend a minute or two telling our listeners a little bit about your journey into uh, the printing industry and uh, your business, Casey Swagger, uh, as it sits today? Sure. It is multifaceted, but I'll try to sum it up in a nutshell. Um, Before I made the plunge, I actually worked for a nonprofit for six years as a communications and graphic designer. Um, I started designing t-shirts on the side and I applied to a craft show, had an amazing response. And I thought, you know what? I looked at my husband, I'm like, let's try this. And thankfully we were in a situation where his job could kind of carry us for a little while if it didn't work. So I got on Google and started Googling and first thing that pops up is stalls. Next thing I know, I'm watching all these stalls videos. I'm like, oh my goodness, I gotta get this Hotronics machine. This <laughs> this thing looks amazing. So <laughs> I order, you know, of course the best of the best and I'm not kidding. I started probably at episode one of the stall show and just consumed myself in it. And so I bought my machine in December And then in January, I was up and running and entering into the crazy land of t-shirts. Oh, excellent. And what uh, what year did you get started? I started in 2015. 2015. Good. Mm -hmm. So you've uh, made it over the hump. Uh, The statistical data that I read say that most small businesses either uh, succeed or fail in the first 18 months. Actually, 80% of small businesses go out of business in the first 18 months. So you're well past that. Congratulations. <laughs> That's good news to hear. Yeah. And I, I was reading a little bit in some of the show notes as we prep for this that you've actually had sales growth every year, year on year. Is that accurate? Yes. It has just been a fantastic journey. Every year when I pull my numbers at the end of the year, I'm just, I'm amazed and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Good. And then uh, you started as a side hustle, I guess, as they like to call it in this day and age. Um, and did you decide to, at what point did you decide to pull the plug on your career at the nonprofit and, and make it a full-time gig? Okay. So like I said, I first started just making t-shirts on the side and I was using a screen printer. And then that's when the control freak in me wanted to take control and start doing it on my own. So after I did a couple of craft shows, and I don't know if you need to know dollar amounts or not, but after I started looking at those numbers and looking at my salary at the job, that's when we realized I was making the same, if sometimes not more, in my t-shirt business. And so instead of staying up until wee hours in the night, cranking on my heat press, we just, we went all in. So I started my business in 2015 um, in April, I side hustled for a complete year. So doing my full-time job as director of communications and doing t-shirts. And then I guess it was that May. So a year and a month is when I gave notice at my job, which was so scary because I had been there for six years. But luckily I had a lot of people cheering for me and just 
didn't look back. <laughs> good, good. So um, I know that a lot of our listeners and a lot of people uh, in the industry uh, have a similar journey, and some of them are still um, in the t-shirt business as a side hustle. So I'd like to dive a little bit deeper on the decision making. Um, and you, you mentioned you kind of compared the financials of what you were making at your t-shirt business versus your salary. Was that more in the scope of like what it could be if you went full time or just at the time you got to a point where it was enough to sustain you? Oh gosh, that's a really, I mean, I was honestly, I guess if I'm just being completely honest, I was really lucky to where those were the numbers that I was pulling in. Um, I was really fortunate to find there was an event here in the Kansas City area called Chick Events. And those little two day events were just insane. Um, I will say that besides just doing events, I also print for schools and organizations. And the way that I made those connections, there was no shame in my game, Josh. Like <laughs> my my son was in preschool and I'm sure, you know, a lot of listeners have kids or grandkids or they know a kid of some sort. So what I did was to start getting the word out about my business because I didn't really have a budget was it was Gus's Valentine's Day party. And I said, hey, buddy, for Valentine's Day, there was eight kids in his class. I'm like, you're going to give each kid a custom shirt. So all the little boys got a shirt that had their name on it. And all the little girls got a glittery heart because everybody loves glitter flake with their names in it. And, you know, my cost was, you know, probably five or six dollars a shirt. And with eight kids in the class, my investment was less than fifty dollars. And I just thought, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, kids are getting a Valentine's Day shirt and you never know who's going to be in that kid's class. And I got so lucky, Josh, because in there, one of the moms reached out and was like, I love this shirt. It's so soft. The print is amazing. And she said that she was getting ready to start a swim team for the neighborhood. And turns out that this little swim team that I thought would be a few swimmers was a hundred swimmers. Wow. So right off the bat with no marketing money, I just gave away a couple of free t-shirts. I had landed a client that had a hundred swimmers and then those hundred swimmers have parents and grandparents. And <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it kind of kicked my tail. I wasn't ready for the volume that I got, but it was an amazing job. And I landed it just by taking a risk by sending my kid to school with some shirts. So yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, you just don't have shame and just start gifting people your product. <laughs> no, I think that's phenomenal. It's, um, I, I would say that's kind of like a, almost a guerrilla marketing tactic, right? Is uh, finding a way to break through, finding uh, something that not everyone else is doing. I can't imagine that a whole lot of uh, apparel decorators at that point in time are marketing their business through their kids' Valentine's Day gifts. So I call it creative and, and something <laughs> that stuck. So that's awesome. Well, and I will say um, when it comes to like my strong areas, I'm definitely stronger in my design, in my creative side. When it comes to selling, I am not a salesperson. So I'm not aggressive enough to say, hey, so-and-so, let me present you some ideas. I would rather just passive-aggressively get my foot in the door and show them. Um, and that's kind of also how I got into the school market. So besides just the preschool, you know, obviously my kid's going to go to kindergarten. So he goes to kindergarten and I think, you know, okay, this first year I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to do anything. I order the shirts through another company. And, you know, sure enough, Halloween rolls around and I think, 
I'm going to make his teacher a t-shirt. So I make her a Halloween t-shirt. The other teachers are like, where did you get that shirt? That's so cute. <laughs> and then I'm doing it all over again, Josh. I'm just getting my little foot in that door. And I'm so grateful that the teachers were all excited. So then they approached the appropriate people. And now I've been doing my son's school and then teachers from other schools. It kind of has just snowballed from there. I would say, though, if you're going to give somebody a product, um, make it your best. Like, make it your original design. Do something that not everybody else is doing. Um, I will say there are definitely other printers here in town, but a lot of them don't offer glitter. And that's where stalls is like my little awesome secret that I can trump everybody else with is because I pull out the glitter flake and those little girls go crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that um, that's a key, right, is figuring out where you can uh, differentiate uh, as well from every other printer. And the special effect finishes are definitely a good way to do that. Well, and it's so great with the CAD cut because, you know, if I am just making one T-shirt for a teacher, I can do it in my vinyl. And I know that it's going to hold up longer or just as good as screen print and it looks just as professional so it's a great way to do one-offs and get your foot in the door by gifting those items excellent so i guess if we let's take a second and fast forward uh to where your business is today um you made the decision to go full-time uh you went through that decision-making matrix or maybe just trusted your gut and made it happen um (laughs) But either way, you're here now, you're full-time. Uh, what is, What do you focus on right now in the business? How are you continuing to grow it as a full-time uh, decoration shop? Well, besides just doing my schools, um, I also do custom shirts. And that, for me, is a great extension of my business as well. Because if I'm creating my own designs and selling them on my website, those are my best margins. So I have found a need for or a niche that works for me really well um, besides my school. So let's not talk about that for a second. The other part, like I was saying, I will do holiday shirts. So, you know, Fourth of July comes around and I will post. uh, I might be getting ahead of myself, but I have a Facebook group and I'll say, okay, it's time for, you know, Halloween shirts. Let me know if you're interested. The orders close this day. And they have Mm -hmm. to get their orders in then. And I love my custom shirts because, like I said, the markup is the greatest. My investment in that shirt might be $6, but I can sell it for a retail price for my customers, whereas I can't do that for my schools, you know. Got it. The the gap on price point between those two markets, like a a typical retail look, what is that? What do you sell that for? I am selling my custom T-shirts. I usually land about $22. Um, I have found that my jam is kind of moms and women and they love to match their little girls. So if I'm also pairing a kid's design with it, then I usually retail my kids shirts for about 1450 or $15. Okay. And on the school side, what type of margin reduction do you take there? On that, I'm doing more of just a double it up. So um, usually I try to give my cheapest option for a school that they're selling to their customers is 1250 for a t-shirt my sweatshirts are usually in the mid twenties. A long sleeve option is going to be about sixteen or eighteen dollars. Um, performance tees for little boys in elementary schools are about fifteen or sixteen dollars, and they're extremely popular. But yeah, I can't 
you know, I pretty much just double it and try to keep it as low as I possibly can for my schools. Okay. And, um, you mentioned earlier that you're definitely a design and creative person and sales isn't your strong suit. Um, but, but how are you, what sales channels are you using outside of your website? How are you reaching these schools and gaining new ones? Sure. Um, I, anytime I make a garment, I take a picture of it. If you're not taking pictures of your products for your social media, that's, that's a huge opportunity for you. So any shirt that goes out the door, I'm taking a photo of it. I'm posting it on my Instagram. I'm posting it on my Facebook. Those are my two big ones. I used to do Twitter and I found it just wasn't the right space for me and time is of the essence. So I kind of scrapped my Twitter and just really focus on Facebook and Instagram. Um, another thing I always do is I request customers to send me their photos. I, you know, I tell them nothing makes me happier than when I see you wearing your Casey Swagger shirt and people are more than willing to give you that. And that's free content that they're giving you for your page. And bonus points, if you post it, then you can usually tag the person too. So then it's showing up on their social media channels as well. So I'm all about that free marketing and photos and our business is definitely a visual business. So anytime you can show the products that you're putting out there, some other school will look at that and think, oh, that's so cool. I want to knock out design for my school too. And then they email, hey, I saw this on Instagram. We're the Pumas. Do you think you could do something like that for us? And I'm like, of course. And But you got to also be prepared when you're marketing on social media. I mean, a lot of my business, I'm getting requests through messages and DMs. So, I mean, you kind of lose some of that nine to five and you just have to be available to answer questions at any time. But quite honestly, people would rather communicate with me that way. I don't get very many phone calls. A lot of it is emails and social media. And maybe that's just the younger generation and how we communicate. I don't know. Sure, sure. No, I, I think that's a, that's important. It's It's easy, right? You can do it right through your phone and it's your convenience. So I think that's a reason a lot of people uh, tend to gravitate towards uh, even text or direct message as a communication method. Um, Just as a follow-up question uh, to your marketing efforts, whether on Instagram or uh, Facebook, are you uh, just kind of building up organically there or did you uh, do any advertising campaigns or to try to generate more of a following for more viewership? In the first two years, I might have boosted some posts, um, you know, maybe through like $30 here and there. I'm fortunate right now that I I don't have to do that. Um, I will say on Facebook, I don't know how deep you want me to dive into this stuff. I'm kind of as deep as you want to go. Yeah, I'm kind of a social media dork and I believe in the power of it. I have a Facebook page, which is great, but then I also have a VIP group and this is where I kind of build the hype. And I think what works for my business model is I don't have t-shirts like for instance, I'm trying to think Kansas city stuff is huge right now. So just shirts that say Kansas city in general, but I don't have my designs available to buy all the time. I try to create FOMO. So I want my customers to have that fear of missing out. So I will say, Hey, if you like this shirt, you have, until you know Friday at noon to order it. And then it's done. And it might sound crazy, but someone then might message on Saturday and be like, oh, I missed out. Can I still get that shirt? And, and as much as it stinks to turn away a sale, I say, oh, I'm so sorry. The deadline has already passed, but I'll be posting more shirts soon. 
And once the customer has that feeling of, oh, darn, I really wanted that, the next time they're going to pull the trigger because they have that fear. Of, <laughs> it sounds so silly when I'm saying it to you, Josh, but they have that fear of missing out on the shirt. And this is for all of my custom stuff, not my schools. So this is for my personal designs. But you have to create that frenzy because if the shirt's available all the time, they might think, oh, that shirt's really cute. I might order it later. Does sure. that make sense? No, I, I, I like it. I think that um, creating some sort of scarcity in the product helps to, you have to figure out some compelling way to get people to act and purchase. And so some people do that through sales and promo codes. Another way to do it is through uh, limited edition or limited time. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've seen it work in a number of different ways. The way you're uh, deploying it is certainly an effective one, but you're right the tough decision is being able to say no, <laughs> right? No, when somebody comes back, because that maintains integrity and drives the future sales, but that is tough. Right. Well, and sometimes I'll cave if enough people request it, then I'll say, okay, we're gonna do a reorder. Like I'll at least wait two weeks though. And as the maker, it makes my life easier too, because after I close the order, I take a look and I say, okay, what's the most cost-effective way to make these items? Is it gonna be my my stall's CAD cut, or do I need to turn to Transfer Express to make sure that I'm using my time in the most efficient way possible? And so having those orders all at once is a great way for me to get the best, you know, the best margins because I have a real-time look and I know, all right, I'm, you know, up to 60 orders. This is going to be a Transfer Express order and I can get them for X amount of dollars. Or maybe it didn't go so well and I'm at like 15. Okay, I'm going to cut and weed these impress them myself. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. So I think so far we've, we've talked about uh, marketing your business with little to zero budget. You've shared some effective ways to do that. You've certainly uh, talked about creating demand and excitement for your product in a crowded marketplace and also uh, knowing your niche and more specifically uh, knowing your customer. You had a very clear picture about um, who your customer is uh, and then owning it. So uh, talked a lot about sales, some of your successes. I'd like to shift um, a little bit of our conversation to some of the things you're struggling with now in the business or uh, that you'd like to just pick my brain on. Is there any, what are the top challenges for you uh, in the business right now? Oh gosh. Well, you know, like I said, I'm more of a creative mindset. So for me, it's processes and just knowing how to grow and how to best grow because I am a one woman shop. I will admit it, I'm kind of a control freak too. So it's like, if I make the plunge to hire someone, what duties should I let go of? And how, you know, how best to delegate those? And I don't know, you know, and I'm trying to think ways to expand. You know, I don't, I currently don't embroider. I would love to know more about that. You know, I see all these things that you can do with Stahl's products and an embroidery machine um, or yeah. <laughs> I'm just rambling them off. Organization is a big one for me too. As you can tell, I'm super chatty and creative mindset. So my office is not that organized. I love when people are on the stalls group and they're posting their workspace and I can see how they're doing incoming and outcoming orders. Cause sometimes my office looks like a bomb went off, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> looks like my desk sometimes, right? Right. It just means we're working hard. <laughs> I like to tell myself that at least. <laughs> All right, good. So yeah, those are certainly some uh, big things to dive into. I think that uh, making the decision on 
when is the right time to hire in the business is probably after deciding from going to side hustle to a full-time business, that's probably one of the most common challenges that an apparel decorator faces because we see a lot of shops that are, um, even at full-time businesses, still working the late hours, trying Mm -hmm. to pull together family members as we (laughs) talked a little bit before the show. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, to get the work done. So one of my first questions that I ask when somebody's in that space is uh, number one is identifying what tasks that you have that need conducted in the business during a day. So it sounds like you have a pretty good understanding not only of the tasks that are being done, but also uh, which ones you're good at. Would you say that's correct? Yes. Okay. Um, if you were to, if you had the perfect person that could do it as well as you, or even better, which task would you delegate first? I would give them the stuff I don't like doing. <laughs> yeah, which is what? Oh, folding and packing orders, um, sending invoices, uh, responding to inquiries. I, I'm yeah. pretty selfish. I like to print. I like to design. You know, I like that creative part of it. It's the business part that gets yucky. <laughs> Good. No, that's that's good. So I think that, you know, when you uh, one of the big things is let's just say let's go down the the road for a second that you were to hire somebody to handle some of the uh, folding and packing and those sorts of tasks, because I believe that's what you mentioned. You have some family members helping with today. Yes, we have a spirit spirit store. We're trying to get out the door today. Okay. Um, so do you have a pretty good process of what it takes to complete that task, like instructions that are pretty well defined? Um, they're all in my head. I should probably type them up. But yeah, I, I, there's definitely a system, a way that we do it. Yeah. So usually I like to tell people that that's square one is taking the time and it's challenging to document a step-by-step guide that happens for each job that you conduct at your business, whether that is invoicing, folding, packing, working with the heat press. And you can prioritize that based on what you imagine uh, hiring for first. And then I think another important thing is once you do that, um, hiring is, is one decision, but there's also an intermediate step or sometimes a long-term step, uh, that can be outsourcing. And so it probably doesn't work too well with folding and packing, but, um, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of other tasks in the business, like responding to inquiries or, uh, generating sales that really can be conducted with an employee that's not on your books. Um, so I think that's a effective way as well. Have you ever considered that? You mean like a commission-based salesperson? Yeah, or somebody that's just driven based on the uh, actually generating revenue from the inquiries that come in. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, how many, I, I guess it doesn't really matter how many, but I assume you're getting a fair amount of inquiries a week of people that are interested in a shirt or a product. Yes, and you know, something that I struggle with is taking the time to create those templates. So I need to carve out time, which is so hard, but to be like, cause every time I get a request, I'm having to price things out and make the bid. Like it would just be so helpful if there was an easier way to calculate the cost for customers, because I'm spending a lot of time trying to, you know, I go on your guys' website and try to figure out okay, how much of the material is going to cost. And then what's the price of the garment and you know, just even being able to respond to the customer, how much each shirt's going to cost mm-hmm. takes quite a bit of time. Yeah. It's um, so 
it's certainly one of our top questions that we get here. It's typically you have someone that wants to know how do I create it from an art standpoint, which you have down. Um, but we get a lot equal questions on how do I know what it costs and how much should I sell it for? Mm -hmm. So I think those are two of the major challenges in the business. So if you can, uh, even if it's the law of averages, if you take your last 10 orders and figure out, you know, some big buckets or categories of what stuff uh, has costed mm -hmm. uh, to make and what it's sold for, if you can template that pricing or put into a grid, I think it will make your life a lot easier. I know. I know I just need to carve out a day and be like, Gina, don't do anything but this, because in the long run, it would save so much more time. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think there may be some time that you can carve out of your day just through taking those simple steps. Have you, I mean, are you at the stage where you're really serious about hiring somebody or you're, um, it's just, you see it on the horizon. <laughs> I know my husband wants me to hire someone <laughs> because I still am just working crazy hours. Um, I know I need to, I'm, I'm nervous too, because I think to myself, what if they don't like the job? What if there's not enough for them to do? And, even though I think there would be. I just, I second guess myself a lot. Good, no, I think that, um, I think it is a challenging phase. It's something that can go way wrong. Uh, the rule is always uh, hire slow. Um, and especially when you're a small business and it's employee number one, right? Or number two, I guess, mm -hmm. um, is making sure you get the right person. So I would, uh, I personally would recommend seeing what you can carve out of your day through outsourcing. How much of your day are you spending on uh, cutting and weeding. I, I'm to the point now with my schools, I'm usually just cutting and weeding if I'm giving them their samples for the sale. Mm -hmm. Um, or if I happen to do a glitter design, otherwise I'm a lot of the times using transfer express for a lot of my stuff. So not as much as when I started out, cause when I started out, my orders were much smaller. So I was definitely using CAD cut much more frequently than I am now. Good. So. And just as a, a shameless plug, you're, are you aware that stalls can cut and weed the glitter for you and send you the prints ready to press? I am aware of that. Okay. So <laughs> that can, that can be an effective way to outsource this. Sometimes uh, it seems like you're doing it with uh, transfer express already, which is great. You know, I'm kind of cheap though. And so that's when I call in like my best friend. I'm like, Hey, you want to watch a movie and pick some glitter with me? <laughs> Well, that works too. Yeah. I so. will say something that I'm extremely interested in. Um, you guys did a video not too long ago with, um, is it distressed Chino twill? Yeah. 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 I would love to see that in some different colors so that I could pitch it to my schools. Yeah, that, that works well. Uh, the only thing with that one, are you're talking about the heat applied only version, the letters? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for the feedback. I think, uh, <laughs> Well, it's good. Well, you know, feedback you didn't ask for <laughs> well, feedback. We want though, <laughs> I will tell you the, one of the big challenges and you mentioned it early on is a lot of folks, um, equipment is expensive. And while you could invest in embroidery equipment, the ROI on a piece of equipment like that is typically can be very long for mm -hmm. the jobs you can put through it over the course of a day. So, People generally, decorators are looking for more solutions that can look like they're sewn, but only be heat applied. So that's definitely a strategic direction for us to try to keep your life simple. Yeah, and I, I need to educate myself more on that and see what else you guys have put out there about it. Um, 
I'm sure there's probably more videos that I haven't seen yet, but I'm definitely interested in that because, again, that's one more thing that can set me apart is offering a school something that looks different than besides just a screen printed shirt. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, So you mentioned, I think you mentioned your business is out of your home, correct? Yes, that's an. (laughs) That's another issue that, you know, when I stop and think about the future of my business, I go back and forth on what's going to be the best solution. I mean, what's great about being in my house is after my children go to bed, I can come back downstairs and start working again. But if it's not in my home anymore, that's a different story. So that's something that we roll around with a lot, too. Thankfully, I've never had anybody question the professionalism of my business when they learn it's out of my home. But I always wonder what the perception is when they hear that. But then of course I always let them know that I have industrial commercial grade equipment through stalls. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think. Good. Oh, I was just going to say, it's not like I bought my heat press off of Amazon and you know, like my stuff is legit and your stuff is not going to fall apart. Yeah, I think getting customers to believe that um, can be a challenge for people. It, I bet you it comes with uh, good word of mouth advertising and customers that have experienced success or even customers that are engaging on your Facebook page, kind of vouching or giving you credibility mm-hmm. that these are quality results. Um, but for businesses early on, a lot of times that's the top challenge, right, is the perception that this is just a hobby business, right, and I'm not going to get a professional grade product. So if you've been able to overcome that perception with kind of highlighting the equipment and and proving that out, that's a big step. Yeah. Anytime you can say that you've got commercial grade or I love like people will be like, you know, once you start a t-shirt business, then all these people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, I'm thinking about doing that too. How much was your press? And I tell them and a lot of them are like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so, you know, I think even what does it hurt to tell someone how much your press costs? In my case, I feel like it almost helps me because they know that I made the investment and I'm using the best of the best for them, you know, and it gives me peace of mind because I don't have to worry about somebody returning something and telling me that it fell apart. So I, you know, if someone out there, I guess, listening has an Amazon press, I, I, how do I say this nicely? Like, it's fine. Um, but I will say the stalls investment is 1000 times worth it to get yourself a good, good heat press. I mean, little things like being able to thread the garment there, it's all just going to help your business. So even if that price tag is scary, it will pay for yourself or, you know, pay for itself when you're giving your customer a product that is not going to fall apart or be old. Yeah. The, uh, the math that I always like to do is, um, take the price of the machine and divide it by the warranty year. So for round numbers, let's say a $1,500 machine um, divided by the five-year warranty is about $300 a year cost to own. Um, You know, with the profit you're making on shirts, whether that's five bucks a shirt, 10 bucks a shirt, it's possible you pay that press off in a, you know, a one school order. Exactly. And, you know, I had a small little issue with my press. I, called tech support. If you're getting your machine off Amazon, who are you going to call? Who's going to help you? You know, this nice man talked to me and talked me through what I needed to do to get my machine fixed. So it's just, it's so worth it. 
Good. Well, we we appreciate the plug. I can uh, promise our I'm listeners. I'm not paid for this plug. I promise. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to say the same thing. <laughs> but uh, it's good. No, we uh, have a lot of successful customers, a lot of customers on the Heat Press for Profit Facebook group. So if you're interested as a listener in joining other like-minded apparel decorators to share photos of your work, see photos of other folks' work, ask questions, uh, this podcast is an extension of our Heat Press for Profit Facebook group where there's conversation going on every day. Lots of good stuff there. So uh, as you just to kind of uh, move towards the conclusion of our uh, time together uh, today, uh, share kind of how you measure success uh, in the business. What do you look at uh, when you think of defining whether or not the business is successful from a, a day to day or from a bigger scheme, a year to year? And- I have a monthly goal that I have for myself that I measure for, I mean, if you want to look at it financially, I know a set amount that I want to make. Um, I also have a very detailed, like once a month, I want to put out a custom shirt. And, you know, so I have my benchmarks there. But for me, (laughs) see, this is so not the professional part of me, Josh, because I'm a creative mindset. Success for me is when I see someone wearing their shirt out in public. To me, that says... I love your product and I'm wearing it. You know, like if I'm at the park playing with my kids and a Casey Swagger shirt walks by, like that's the best part for me because that person chose to wear something that I made. And I know that's not professional at all. Obviously I have financial goals, like I said, but that's the best part of the job for me is seeing someone love it and wear it. And I always try not to be a dork when I see something out in public. You don't, you don't give them a, shout them out, say, I made that shirt. Do you go no, approach them? <laughs> Do you at least tell them? No, I try to play it cool. <laughs> no? You don't try to sneak a photo or anything? No. no, but I definitely, like, will tell my husband, like, that's one of mine, babe. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so we always joke here when we hire a new salesperson, the, the industry that we're in kind of changes us. Uh, you can't go to out in a public place, to a dance competition, to a sporting event, even into a retail store, without uh approaching every t-shirt all the products differently it's you know I oh can't yeah take... and then you gotta touch it like how'd they make that <laughs> yeah turn it inside out you know right? <laughs> yeah. so the, the little nuances of the apparel decorating world but you can always spot somebody that's in the space when you see someone doing that so yeah. it's good. or you look at some font that they use and it's not kerned correctly and you're like oh that looks so bad <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. No, I think that's good. I mean, it's aspirational. And I think that's real, really where the rubber meets the road and kind of connects it from a feeling perspective of, look, people are liking my work. I'm gaining market share. I'm seeing my product out there. And I think there is a, a creative side to the business. I mean, I'm very analytical and about the numbers, but I can appreciate, um, you know, defining success in more ways than just a financial statement. And I do think that's important because, you know, most folks will launch a business or start a business because they're on a a greater mission to make an impact. It's not always about dollars and cents. So that's good to hear. And I feel like your customers can tell if you love what you do. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, Good. So do you have any more questions uh, that you have for me uh, that you'd like to get help on on the air that someone else may benefit from? Um, No, just please don't ever stop making those videos because we watch them, you know, I watch them while I'm working since I'm a one woman shop. If I'm pressing a big order, I have you guys on in the background and 
they are so beneficial. If somebody listening is not watching those videos, you need to. I learn things every single episode. I see new things. So just continue to put out content for us because I am always learning, always growing. Um, like you mentioned the Stalls Heat Press for Profit group. I'm so fortunate for that forum. I can go on and ask any question and within a matter of minutes, people that do what I do are willing to answer and help me out. So it's just, it's a great community. I'm so glad that I found you guys back in 2015 because I knew nothing about the business. And just by putting in the time and going through the resources that you put out, it has just helped me more than I could ever say. And I'm sure I have questions, but right now I'm nervous, so I can't even think of any. <laughs> but when I think of them, I just hop onto the Facebook group and there you guys are. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much and I want to congratulate you on the business growth. Thank you for uh, the business you've done for Stalls and for being our first uh, podcast guest on oh, this gosh, new I venture. Oh gosh, I hope I didn't scare people away. <laughs> no, no, you did phenomenal. So thanks so much and best of luck with your business uh, moving forward for the rest of this year and beyond. Thank you, Josh. All right. So we want to thank Gina for joining us. There was so much good information. If you'd like to ask follow-up questions, just look for our show conversation thread over at the Heat Press for Profit Facebook group, where you can network and share ideas with thousands of businesses, including Casey Swagger, so we can help each other to turn a profit with heat printing.